Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and this week I'm joined here by Dwayne. Man, Sebastian, shame that your parents didn't raise you well. You're supposed to introduce your guests first. Well, I mean, I feel like for 181 <laughs> episodes, I've I've always introduced you first, or 182 now. I've always introduced you first, and then we then we bring on our guest. Um, well, so, I'll introduce our guest. You're going to introduce our guest. Go ahead, then. I mean, I I, I could just say his name. I I was I wasn't there for the background info, but yeah, we have Rory O'Neill with us today. Yeah, so Coach Rory Soccer on YouTube. Uh, this is our first. Uh, Rory, you're our first uh, YouTuber. We're going to call you YouTuber. I don't know if you want to go with that, with that title or not, but uh, but that's how I found you. So we're going to go with it. No, let's go with it. Yeah, um, I guess I am a YouTuber technically. So I don't I don't know that I'm particularly famous other than in soccer circles. So that's a that's a, a close knit group. But yeah, so I, I don't want to. You know, <laughs> I, mean, I don't want to get go against any precedents. So I'm I mean, glad listen, that when you, uh, got... you introduced Dwayne first. No, I mean when you got when you got when you got thousands, and by thousands I mean you know double triple digits on videos. I feel like you're you're pretty famous. Yeah, that that uh, that channel's kind of gone in a direction I never would have envisioned. Uh, really, was started as something that just for my my own players personally uh, to show them stuff, and now it's yeah, I gotta get I. Have, connections all over the world now because of that channel which is cool yeah so let's uh let's let's dive deeper into that like how did you how did you start the youtube channel uh from from what i've gone back and and kind of watched some things and and did some research with it you started about two years ago uh so how did that how did that kind of come about and and yeah so how did you start with it so yeah i i've had that question a lot and i think the the first thing is to just step back a minute. Um, you know, I started coaching about 15 years ago. And I think what happens is, you know, and you guys can relate to this as well, I'm sure. You you go through all these trial and errors. You try to figure out what works, what doesn't work. And if you go to any kind of either YouTube or you just Google stuff, you're, you, the, the amount of information is so overwhelming that you just, you know, it, it took me years to really try to get into what what I like to do in my training sessions and my games and and the information especially for the u12 and under uh, is just it's almost nothing and I've gone through US soccer license courses uh, which really didn't help a, a ton and so part of that was just my own journey and figuring out okay what do I what do I um, like to do and one of the things I really like to do is use technology in terms of my coaching so a lot of times we'll send people, you know, either individual stuff or Friday nights before games, I'll send out, hey, this is a, a set play I want to work on, or this is a way I want to press. And so the, the channel started just, just like that. So there'd be a place for all these things that we would send out to our players just for them to go if they wanted a reference. Um, and certainly as, you know, I mean, I'm sure you guys have coached older, the older the team goes, and my, my U4 teams, they, they're, they're used to technologies out of this world. So yeah. um, that's how it started. And what I noticed was the younger, the younger kids, their attention span just had a lot. It was a lot harder for them to watch uh, anything that was super long. So I started making these videos that were more like storytelling, which is really what YouTube videos are, good ones anyway. 
And then it just kind of it exploded from there. And um, it just kind of became a, a platform a little bit for myself and a way for me to just express how I like to coach, uh, you know, and, and, and that's how it, how it happened. Yeah. And I feel like I, so I, I was, uh, I, I clicked through a bunch of your videos. Um, I did a deep dive yesterday and just kind of went through, through a lot. And I, I always, I enjoy YouTube channels a lot and I've been getting more into, um, specific people instead of just bouncing around from, from one YouTube channel to another, you know, just diving in and, you know, pressing that subscribe button that, that everybody talks about all the time. Right. And then, and I, I feel like I noticed a transition in the videos of you know you would as you mentioned that storytelling part of it of uh you know having some voiceover work in the background with with some of the graphics that you had and then you know all of a sudden you started with with intros and you 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 know you were on camera and and, and doing that part of it where did that transition kind of happen and and how did you kind of come up with it so um as i got more viewers i sort of I sort of set a little bit higher standard for myself in terms of how the video production would go. Um, I actually, my, my brother-in-law works in video production. So he helped me out quite a bit, just getting to learn um, how to cut videos, how to edit them. And people uh, sometimes ask me, I mean, you'd be shocked at how long it takes to edit stuff like that. Or maybe you wouldn't since you got a podcast, but it's Basically, it, it almost works out like this. For almost for every one minute of video, it takes me about an hour total when it comes to filming it, editing it, you know, overline, B-roll, whatever you're going to do. Um, and so I think I think the more subscribers I got, just the, the more sophisticated I got with with um, I use Final Cut Pro, um, yeah. but like the, the soft the software and then just the um, you know, like I don't know if you're familiar with Canva, but I, mm -hmm. I have a subscription to Canva now. You know, I mean, just like things like that, that just add to, to the videos. So, um, I think that's probably what, what sparked that. And then I just, I upgraded my microphone. I got better equipment, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I got you. I, uh, this is, uh, I think the visual, I mean, I think I'm just looking at, not even looking at the videos, but just looking at some of the visuals on the, um, I forget what they're called on YouTube, but like the, the first shot you see. Thumbnails. Yeah. The, the, thumbnail. the thumbnails. Yeah. I mean, just those are impressive in itself. So I, you can already tell that the video is going to be so detailed and, and visual. I think for coaches, you know, just standing on the field, talking to Sebastian about a session or talking about a concept is one thing, right? But actually sitting down and watching the video and then having that, like being able to, if we looking at baby rondos, right? If we're talking about baby rondos and then we want to go apply it, like being able to see that before you go out there on the field and already know what to expect is so helpful for coaches. And I, I think one of the things is, and a, uh, I wanted to clarify that, like, I'm, I, I'm okay with the idea of nerding out on like software and things like that, because that's normal. That's what I do. That's what ultimately what I teach in high school. I teach digital communication, so I teach graphic design oh, and, wow. and video production. So, uh, so I'm a big fan of that part of it. Um, I, I also like the fact that you said Final Cut. I'm a big fan of Final Cut. Um, but I think, I mean, to Dwayne's point, um. You know, I'm, I learn the way I look at it is when I go to look for sessions specifically, um, I, as much as I enjoy watching like the real world, like application of the session, right? Like watching players actually run the session. There's something to be said for, for seeing, you know, the, the circle squares, the X's and O's to a certain extent 
on a field moving around with those lines kind of moving and being like, all right, you know, especially, and I feel like you, you go through a lot of, of, uh, passing patterns, which is something doing and I do a ton in our coaching in general. So even for showing passing patterns, I feel like that's critical to be able to see going you know, from point A to point B to point C. And sometimes it's harder to see that on the field. And it's a lot easier to see it on, on that digital screen to a certain extent. Well, you also take the human error. Just think about it, right? You take the human error out of it. How many yeah. times have you watched a video, you've seen a kid take a bad first touch and then the coach's focus shift from what they're actually trying to teach you yeah. to the first touch. Like even at the convention, right? We watched that session last year yeah. <laughs> with um, um, Mike Barr, right? Yeah. yeah. And he started, he had to stop the session and start ripping these kids because it was the quality <laughs> wasn't where the quality wasn't where he expected it to be. And it went from a session that he was trying to present to a bunch of coaches to now having to shift his focus. Yeah. To and actually again, coaching. That's, to actually coaching. But I mean, like that's something you have to do as a coach, but if I'm trying to preview something, right, I want to see it without error. I want to see it be flawless. I want to, I want to know what it looks like. And then when I go and coach it, yeah, maybe I have to tighten up some technical pieces, right? I think just seeing that visual with the X's yeah. and O's is awesome. I'm going to watch these futsal ones because I run a futsal session tomorrow. <laughs> and I, and, and I do try to, um, you know, put in some real life footage of my teams when I can, when it's, when it's a, Appropriate, but you're totally right. I mean, it's it's a lot easier sometimes just to see it on a on a digital screen. And what was the so talk me through the the kind of the progression of your of your teams? And I think most importantly, I feel like uh, who ends up ha- watching a lot more of these sometimes becomes the parents. Uh, what was the uh, what was that progression of like? All right, like you made some videos for us, and all of a sudden, like our coaches, you know, has hundreds of thousands of views on youtube yeah i mean the so the in terms of the parents you know it's and I, i'm sure you guys experienced this i have some parents who are just all in and want to know everything down to how exactly you know the, what foot they want their player to receive it on in what situation and then i've got parents who have absolutely no interest whatsoever so um i think that the channel has certainly given me a little bit more credibility uh, when I, you know, I will say with parents, um, you know, I, I do have somewhat of an open door policy that I'm, I'm happy to discuss what I'm doing, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna argue with you about it. Um, I actually have, I've had this situation come up quite a bit because, you know, my teams, um, I, I'm a real hard line, um, building out of the back person, uh, especially in the younger ages. So, um, you know, and that will concede us goals and that will cause us to lose. Like my, my teams don't go undefeated ever. Um, I mean, I don't you, say you ever, shouldn't, but, you shouldn't uh, at 77. No, right, right, right. So, so I, I mean, I, I have gotten, gotten into, you know, um, you know, discussions, I wouldn't call them arguments with certain parents who don't understand what I'm doing. And I, I just, you know, I'm very kind about it, but I say, listen, I have 200,000 views on my 77 video on YouTube for a reason. Like, I, you know, there are coaches who come up and compliment us after games for a reason. Like we, we try to do this. And if, you know, you don't understand that, then maybe this isn't the place for you. So um, I do think in that regard, the channel has given me a little bit, a little bit more credibility. Um, but at the end of the day, there's just some parents are, are super into it. And some of them are just, you know, <laughs> they don't care. You got to love when you they get compliments. Want, you know? you got to love when the opposing yeah. team gives you a compliment after they beat you. 
Like that just shows that sometimes oh, they know that. they should have oh, won that game. And I feel like well, that's I'm the, sure, you know, you guys oh God. No, go ahead, no, go, go, ahead. Go, 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 go. I remember no, I Sebastian said, you I, know I, what they I, saw. <laughs> I I'm I've experienced this way too frequently where I'll have a conversation with an opposing coach before the game and we'll talk about our, you know, our soccer philosophies and, and he or she'll tell me how how well they play and, and how they do this. And, and and we get into the game and their team's not, they're not building out of the back. They're not doing anything right. Um, you know, and, and I'm just like Booted. rolling my eyes. I'm like, all right. I'm like, I thought we were going to actually have a game here. Um, yeah. So, you know, it, it's, I, I think, and unfortunately my experience has been, um, you know, and I coach, I would say mid to upper level club soccer. Um, and I also do some supplemental stuff for the Philadelphia union, but we, we could talk about that later. But in terms of the club, the club stuff, I, I unfortunately I, I get into more games that that I I don't think are are played very well versus games that I think wow that was really that was really fun. Yeah, and I think that's also the tough part. I mean, that's a tough part about small sided in general. You can have seven really solid athletes that just run through the competition, no problem, easy. They're they're a good team because they're just faster, stronger, smarter better players but they're not nailing down those concepts that you know Mm -hmm. they don't lose they don't lose games you know three two right all their games are high scoring it's a five four game six three game because they're just going back and forth right but then they also miss those concepts building out of the back right how do you defend right they're just better than players they take the ball off them and and i think it catches up to these kids when 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 you do um, blend those teams when they get older well, I think it's a, I think that's the, I, it's really funny because, you know, uh, and Dwayne has heard me ha- give these speeches to parents, uh, especially at the 9v9 level. And I was, a, I was, a, I'm a big fan of coaching 9v9 in general, and I enjoy coaching the 9v9 to 11v11 transition. Um, for that reason, I feel like I've had those conversations of like, listen, just so you know, uh, we're going to lose games this year, uh, specifically because we're trying to do, something very specific that is going to help us when we get to 11 v 11 and we're going to lose to a team that's just going to you know have one really faster stronger taller player that is going to run right through us and or they're just or they're going to have a goalkeeper that's going to be able to kick it you know three quarters of the field down the way and you know we're not going to have a single player that's going to be able to bring the ball out of the air because they're not allowed to head the ball at 11 years old uh so um and so you tell parents that and then it happens and then everyone starts freaking out and you're like, no, 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 we talked about this. Like, this is what was supposed to happen. Like, it's okay. Um, so I, it's, it's what do you really, mean? We can't punt the ball. Yeah. <laughs> I've had that yeah, discussion. Right. Uh, what are we doing here? That was literally the the quote in that, in that moment, we had a 77 uh, coach who said, well, no, you can't punt the ball in 77. He's like, well, what are we doing here? Well, it's, it's called the build that line to build out of the, <laughs> um, so uh so it is refreshing to 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 kind of to kind of hear that other coaches are saying the same thing and i'm not just the only crazy one out there that's just going like no 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 like it's okay we're gonna lose like it's fine not that it's not that i want to lose uh but we are going to end up losing a game because again the long-term progress or the long-term process that we're working on is is way more important than the short term like wins and losses like it it doesn't it it process you got yeah i mean it's it's part of it i think you have to be able to um well, the thing is, you come in and you start winning games that first day we've seen it we, we've all probably seen it you come in and you start winning yeah the second you lose 
time to blow the team up. The coach wasn't good enough. The, the, the player that's been coming off the bench and has been okay, hasn't been great, but it's been okay. Is now the worst player. Like it, it all goes downhill, right? You gotta, you also have to like, you also have to mature the parents to not that anybody wants to lose, but you have to mature them to losing. Well, and I think that's the, I mean, I think this is why, you know, Rory, your channel is so important to a certain extent too, is that like that parent education, I think is critical. I feel like at any given point, you can always use that as a reference point, right? And just say, well, no, go go and watch this video. Like this is what we're working on and this is why we're working on it. And um, and the and as you mentioned, right, the views give you validation, right? They give you that credibility of like, no, if this amount of people watched it, clearly I'm not, you know, a lunatic that's just you know just throwing things on the wall and seeing what sticks um but right and at the end of the day i mean the you know the the way that your team plays even parents who are just totally oblivious to the game will start to 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 realize wait a minute i just saw three passes being connected and the other team hasn't done that at all oh I'm, i'm seeing some patterns here there's some recognition of of when to to kind of go into this space. I mean, and so they, I do think that they see their child learning. Yeah. Um, but to, but to, but to your point, some some people can't get past the wins and losses. They just can't. And it's okay to say, you know, this isn't the place for you. Like it's it's perfect. Yeah, like I, I because I've had those conversations of like, listen, this is the way we're going to do it. Um, and our our one of our dear friends or mentors who recently passed away, um, Doctor. Dr. Lou Atkinson would say this. He said, listen, this train is, is going this direction. If you, if you're going in the same direction and if you're going to where we're going, then you can jump on this train. If you want to go a little bit to the right or a little bit to the left, this isn't the train for you. And it's okay to just say, no, this isn't the train for me. And I want to go somewhere else. And that's, that's okay. And and sometimes the train and the the people that were on the train, it's time for you to get off because I mean, yeah. Roy just said he coaches he coaches mid to upper level travel soccer. Yeah, it might start out on the mid level. When it gets to nine v nine, it might start to teeter towards the upper level. When it transitions to eleven v eleven, it might transition to an even upper higher level. And guess what? Those kids that were were, were on the bench, or those kids that were the, the fringe players, that sometimes they started, sometimes they don't, find themselves moving down moving down, moving to a second team. And then, hey, the, the, the parents think because that kid was on one team that they belong on that one team. It's just not the way soccer works anymore. Or the other way around, right? Like, Or maybe that player that that at 7v7 or 9v9 didn't really like kind of figure it out, like all of a sudden starts figuring it out, right? Or couldn't they tie their shoes. Couldn't, couldn't yeah. chew gum and tie their shoes, right? Because there is no... And I think this is the part where where parents, and this is this is a big topic of conversation on our podcast in general. And it's not not a fight against parents, but more of the idea of parent education. Um, of player development isn't a straight line like you know here's point A, here's point B, and here's how you get there. It just it doesn't work that way. Like we can plan out as much as we want. They're ultimately human beings and their kids. They're going to ultimately do whatever they want at a certain to a certain extent. Um, and their development, I related to roller coasters, right? So you know, sometimes you're going to go up, sometimes you're going to go down. And our goal as a as a coach is to try to, 
you know, increase the the high points and limit the dips, but they're gonna have they're gonna be dips and there's gonna be players that are just gonna be doing really, really well. And all of a sudden they're gonna go through a two-month period and you're like, what happened? Like nothing, they're kids. Like that's just that's what sometimes, happens. Sometimes sometimes like- it sometimes it takes a soccer break, yeah. summer break, winter break, a couple weeks off in the winter and month, and it all sinks in. But I think that's a big part of it too, is that parents having a conversation and Rory, that's what that's what kind of my question I wanted to lead you into is do you feel like your players are watching your videos and now using the same either vocabulary or you're you're having them go like, Oh, that that was pattern number two or that was pattern number three that we just mm-hmm. did, or or oh, we just did that in the field. Like you're you, that vocabulary is kind of coming through. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I'm a big pattern choreography guy even at the youngest age group so my current group of u10s some of those kids have been with me now three years um because we played we played a year early u8 and and they they could i could ask them what's pattern one what's pattern two what's pattern three billy on the back they 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 could recite you oh pattern pattern three is a switch like they they would know 100 percent um the other thing that i think the videos give you is um i can use numbers so everybody knows who the four and the five are. Everybody knows who the two and the three are. Everybody knows who the nine is. Um, not that it's that big of a deal at that age, but it just gives them a little bit more sophistication. Um, yeah. So no, I do I do think the videos definitely give vocabulary that you know they might not have necessarily gotten otherwise. No, that's huge. Um, so at what point did you did you start going? Because I feel like at at a certain point you started um diving deeper into just separate conversations or different conversations not just strictly like hey we're you know you know activities or sessions or 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 very specific like tactical things or even technical things but you started working on you started looking at you know um do's and don'ts for parents um uh the play to play the pay to play model um you know how do you pick your, 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 your soccer club or your soccer team? You know, what, what, how did you kind of go into that direction and, and where did you, where did that kind of idea and stuff like that come from? So I think a lot of that is just my own therapy. I mean, youth soccer in the United States is like nothing I've ever seen before. And, you know, I, I grew up mostly playing baseball and I know I, I don't really have a connection with youth baseball anymore, but I know youth baseball is kind of going in the same direction, at least from the people that I've, I've talked to. But it, it's very surprising to me how little most of the people involved in youth soccer understand about what's going on in the game. Uh, I mean, if you have a conversation with, with parents, uh, even honestly, coaches and club administrators, they really don't understand a lot of it. So, for example, something like pay to play, uh, something, you know, like player movement or progression, um, you know, in this country versus another country, uh, you know, st- stuff like that. You know, when you try to have conversations with people, um, it, it, in, the, in the moment, it's hard to, at least for me, put forth my point. But in a video, I could actually give like statistics and like actual evidence and get my thoughts in order and make my case, if that makes any sense. No, for sure. Um, versus when you're having when you're having a conversation with somebody about how expensive soccer is in this country and they're like, well, you you got to pay for facilities, you got to do this. And and I try to tell them, well, there's a lot of other ways you can actually pay for soccer if you look at other parts of the world. Like it's just they don't get it. So 
I, I, a lot of those videos were just me trying to to make my own case for for certain aspects of the game because um, I don't I don't know if I can think of anything whether it be athletics or business or or education where the people purchasing the product know so little about it and don't ask questions. I, I it, it's hard for me to think of another uh, you know example. So or, so those or videos the other really way around mostly out of that. Or the other way around, where because they they in theory pay for a product, they feel like they're entitled to make the, all the decisions within it. Oh, 100%. Oh, yeah, 100%. I, I, I agree. And, like it's, I mean, it's, I'm looking. It's like it's polar opposite sides. Either, either I know nothing or I still know nothing, yet I want to admit that, or I, or I, but I believe I know everything. I mean, I'm going to yeah. pick on Roy for a second. So I'm doing my research as we as we're podcasting. <laughs> Played in the APL Fall League, right? Played in the second division. Anybody around, anybody in this area that knows the APL League, know that's a that's a higher tiered league. Yes, right. It's not EDP. It's not ECNL. It's not a nothing like that. It's just APL, right? Everybody knows that you're playing in super competitive teams. Whether I mean, there's least one club in there that has two clubs in there that have ecnl where those teams potentially are ecnl kids everybody else is probably high level edp whatever right you did fairly decent middle of the pack right but i'm sure your parents you educated your parents to understand hey this is why we're doing this league this is the competition we're playing against and this is the results they're going to get you guys very easily could have played edp probably played more money and spent a lot more time on the road but if the parents don't have that education piece and understand what they're paying into, then they think, hey, we don't have this, we don't have these three letters that say EDP. Our kids didn't get these hoodies that say EDP. Why do they say APL? Right. And I think that just the education piece and teaching these parents and maturing these parents is just like, hey, we're doing APL. We're playing against high level teams. Travel is going to be a little bit, well, for you guys, up where you are. Really local. Yeah, let's let's give a little more context to this because I don't think so. So Rory, you coach at uh at the Capitol. Yeah, Casa uh in Harrisburg. Correct. In Harrisburg. Yep. In 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 Harrisburg, (laughs) PA. Uh so you're you're and this is an area that Dwayne and I have frequented every summer uh quite a bit as uh I've never driven to Casa, but we we've been up there. I've never been been to Casa. We've been up there on our way to Mechanisburg. Uh I sent Dan, I sent Dan to Casa. So we've we've been up there on our way to Mechanicsburg quite a bit. Um, so you're also in an area I feel like where, even though there's a lot of soccer being played there, you're also to a certain extent uh, slightly removed from the, you know, Lancaster Philly area to a certain extent. Um, so does does that play a part into what league you choose to to play in as well? Penn F- and Penn FC is yeah. in your area, right? Like yeah, so we we have in probably a ten mile radius. We have Penn FC, we have Keystone, and we have Casa. And it's uh, you know we we cannibalize ourselves in terms of players. But the the team that that you're describing, my my U10s, um, it, it that's that's interesting you bring that up because we had a big discussion with the parents about what we were going to do. Either play in the local league, which is known as CPYSL, mm-hmm. um, with Central Pennsylvania Youth Soccer League. Uh, or were we going to go play APL? And um, for me, the fall was wildly fantastic. Um, we only had one game where I think it was uh, 
more than a three or four goal difference. Um, every single game was like we we Better ended enough. up the, the team that yeah the team that won that division which was was Penn Fusion we we we, we should have won the game we lost three two very end um, we were up two one the whole game but you know it it's tough because I I had a player who left after the fall um, and I do believe it was because we didn't win enough games and you know it, it, at the end of the day that's good because that that person shouldn't be here anyway yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it just goes to show you because, I mean, again, yeah, we finished like middle of the table, but like every single game except for one was very close. So like they learned, I mean, the, the players got a ton out of that. I mean, um, I was able to bring a kid up. I, I coached the second team too. I was able to bring a kid up from the second team and he flourished. And I, I actually uh, bring him up to the first team in the, in the spring. Like, I mean, there were so many good things that happened um, and the way that we played, I was really proud of, but, you know, we we didn't we didn't finish first in the table, so you know it it, it yeah, you know, I mean, some people just can't get past it. I mean, looking at your results, there's three or four games usually that take you from being sixth place oh, to yeah, four easy. top top four easily. Like And that's, that's the oh, easy. Easy. that's easy. the interesting part because that's the and that's the that's the age old battle with tournaments too, right? Like, you know, choosing the right tournaments to go to and choosing the right division within the tournaments and, and that plays a huge part into what we do as coaches. And we've always we've we've been in the situation where you know Dwayne and I have always had this philosophy that if you can go one one and one in a tournament, ideally like pre tournament you're in the right spot, right? Yeah. And I'm not saying that one loss you're going in like all right I'm gonna go lose one game. No, you go into it with the expectation of like all right there's a game that that high probability high probability we're gonna win. There's a there's a game that could go either way, and there's a game that there's a likelihood that you know we might lose because there's a team that on paper, at least you know for for whatever that that's worth, is potentially better than us, right? right? So and that's the ideal situation. Point. Yeah, those God soccer points, but but I think that's the same thing with leagues, right? And I've had this discussion many times with parents of like, um, and even even within the club environment, you know, you got board members, directors, whatever. Going like, well, why don't we go play in this in this league and and make it easier or whatever? And like, well, what's the point of going out and winning every game eight nothing? Like, and at the same time, what's the point of going out and losing every game eight nothing? Like, there's there's there is a place. It's um, and Dwayne and I had this discussion actually today about the idea that you know, even though college soccer is not something that every single player gets the opportunity to play, and it's it's a small percentage of the the players that get to play college soccer. I do genuinely believe that if you want to play college soccer and you're a competitive soccer player, there's a place for you somewhere. It might not be exactly where you want to play. You might be in the middle of nowhere, uh, or you might not be exactly the academic institution you want to be in. But if you want to play college soccer, there is a place for you to play. Um, yeah, no, hundred percent. And it's the same idea with leagues. It's the same idea with leagues. Like there's, there's always a league where we can, lose every game eight nothing and there's always a, a league or a division where we can win every game eight nothing the hardest part to do is finding that middle ground um well no I, that's interesting you, you you bring that up it does not i don't know if you want to go in this direction but i mean they could if you want you know if well i so it it's it's a hard decision for us to make but if we had a, if we had a system of youth promotion and relegation by the time you got to a certain age like when you got to be u12 that would have been sorted out like like because you would have won this league then you would have won that league then you would have you know um so by the time they're u14 
the top teams are playing the top teams. We didn't have so many acronyms. It would work. Oh, gosh. Yep. And it's interesting you bring that up. I don't know if you watched. Uh, David Beckham did a little like docu-series on Disney+. I did Plus. see that. Yep. On Disney Plus, right? Where he goes that. back yep. to the league, the league that he helped or that he played in when he was when he was younger in, in England. Um and and that's what they talk about, right? And you're talking about a league and a club or a team that's super like small or or very extremely local. Um, you're not talking about a Manchester United or 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 even a second division or third division club. You're talking way, way smaller than that in a league that already at you know 12 13 years old has this idea of promotion and relegation and what it takes and the the fact that there's there's scouts and and things like that 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 show up to games um but it does bring up an interesting point of you know what what if we had that but i feel like i don't know i've 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 been there are too many people there are too many people in the world that you would have to get into one room and get them all to agree Listen, I grew up. I grew up in South Florida, then lived shortly in Tennessee, and now I've been in this part of the country for the last eight years. And within just the last eight years, the amount of change that has come in at the at the youth soccer level. Not we're not even talking at the, uh, and I'm talking about the like youth youth soccer level. I'm not even talking like academy, ECNL, MLS next. I'm not even talking about that part of like youth soccer. I'm talking like youth, youth soccer. There, there's, there was leagues that existed when I moved here and when I was eight years ago, that no longer exist, and new leagues that popped up that are now taking over that they weren't even a thing eight years ago. I mean, yeah, I think you're talking about like the Delco League and the Central League, right? They're essentially the same thing. Uh, it was Pags. Pags, yeah. Pags. Pags, the Pags was there was Pags. It was the Delco League. Um, and then, you know, APL kind of took it over and, you know, and even and APL, APL tried to, I know APL tried to, and we interviewed Alex Culp when he was with that, with that uh, program with APL. Yeah. when they first launched the league. And I know that's something they were striving to do is to get teams to, to hop on board. But I think part of the problem is people are chasing, they're chasing that there's those letters, whatever those acronyms are, right? They're chasing those letters to add to their name, to be fancy. And realistically, you don't, if you're providing the right soccer and the right environment for those kids, you can go beat those teams with those letters behind their names. I mean, it happens. I mean, we can go pull up any tournament, any huge showcase, Jeff cup, you know, any EDP cup showcase, whatever, and look at the results and say, Hey, this team beat this team and they don't have the fancy letters. They might even have a volunteer coach. <laughs> yeah. but seriously that's i mean that's i mean that's the reality well, of it. well yeah and i think that's the that's the hard part of all of it it's like at the end of the day there's there's kids behind all this we're talking we're still talking about ideally 10 to 12 year old kids right like and i think that's the that's a difficult part so when we look at you know the potential numbers of that are declining in in youth soccer or even youth sports across the board from whether it's financial or or not you know, a lot of the reasons is because we as the adults can't figure it out. Like we just, we, we just, we can't figure it out. Like we want uh, that imaginary league trophy. Did APL hand out a trophy this year, Rory? That's a good question. We didn't, we didn't win it. So I don't know. <laughs> hey, man. Probably. Did they hand out God soccer points? Cause that's another, that's a, that's a virtual trophy, man. Oh gosh. It's like an I, NFT. I, 
They did hand out think, soccer uh, points. I thought I found it. Yeah, I I found the results. I'm sure they. I'm <laughs> sure they did. That's how. There you go, Dwayne. There's a new. There's a new idea that you have, right? You hand out an NFT if you win. Not good. <laughs> I'll take my God soccer points, man. But you get them in the, you get it. Yeah, you get. Yeah, there you go. That's I, I just listen. The only reason why I cared about God soccer points because I had a brand new team that didn't exist. And I wasn't trying to be behind teams that I knew didn't exist anymore. That's the only reason why I cared. <laughs> um, Those are some motivational speeches, man. <laughs> um, Rory, let's 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 talk a little bit about um, your your recent trip to Argentina. Oh, here we. This sure. is this is why you're really on the, board, the podcast. This is the real reason. This is the only reason why you were called to be on the podcast because hey you went to Argentina. That I mean, I I won't deny it. That's how I found Rory. <laughs> all of a sudden, I look up and I'm I'm browsing through YouTube, and all of a sudden, in in my you know that that algorithm pops up, and uh, I see an Argentina flag and in a in a in a USA flag. It says youth soccer on it, and it has a versus. And I was like, all right, I'm in. Like, let's go. Let's 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 find out more. <laughs> Uh, so tell us about your your recent trip to Argentina and how that went. Oh, it was great. So yeah, my wife's from uh, Argentina, and we we go every other year, at least before the pandemic, every year. And this year we went, and my two sons were able to play in an academy called Belgrano, which is there in the first division of Argentine uh, football. And it was it was. Kind of eye-opening for me, I was able to compare and contrast the experience that I've had coaching here for the last, you know, 15 years, and then what I experienced there, and not just, you know, on the pitch or on the training ground, but but just culturally off of it. And, you know, for me, the kind of the high points in, in terms of that, I, I'm sure people, you can go watch that video. I, I, I do go into a lot of other things, but Coach Rory, Coach Rory Soccer have, on, uh, on, Coach Rory on Soccer. You got to plug it in, got to plug it. I, yeah, that's right. No, but, but the high points, I mean, the you know, I I have a hard time seeing how without particularly drastic changes, we're going to be able to match the culture. And that that was like the overriding thing for me is that football down there is life. I mean, it really is. It's it's how there's a ball everywhere. I mean, I we would go to family parties and they would just be kicking it around all the time. <laughs> um, you know, they watch they watch. It, it, they'll have they'll have a fourth division game that nobody cares about just on in the background <laughs> like nobody's even watching it it's on you're like you're describing, um, you're describing my house <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but it you know what but it was it was just it's just an identity and so how do you possibly how do you possibly recreate that here and and, and certainly there are there are some ways you could think about doing it but but from a, just, I'm looking at it from, and I, I mean, I, I probably asked my wife this a hundred times because when I looked at, well, you know, what my, the experience that my, my boys had actually training, um, as a coach, I, I actually wasn't super blown away. Um, it was pretty unorganized. Uh, the coaches kind of got there sometimes late. Um, I mean, that I'm talking, this is a, an academy in a first division Argentine club. This isn't like recreational. So, um, and when they when they played, they would usually start with some form of a possession game, but sometimes they just play six v six for an hour. Um, it was very very relaxed, and you know I've seen pretty high level release club and and um, even MLS next clubs here, and it's usually the exact opposite, very structured, uh, 
you know, very intense, you know, um, not that it wasn't intense, but um, it just wasn't the same level. And uh, I keep, you know, I kept asking my wife, this is like, you know, I, uh, how are these, how is this country creating, you know, multi-million dollar teenagers at a rate that, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't know what the calculation would be, but, but 10 times us, maybe it's gotta be higher than that. Like we uh, don't 100. create 15, 16. <laughs> yeah. We, 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 who's the last 15, 16 year old that was sold for $20 million in the yeah. United States. I can't think of one. Yeah. And maybe so, just, you know, just, I mean, bought one, just bought one uh, this week. Yeah. Manchester <laughs> city literally just bought one this week. So 20, it's 25 you know, million. Um, 25 million. It, I think so. So not that I have the answer. This is just more of a thought thought experiment that I'm kind of giving you guys. But um, from my experience in Argentina, but I think I think what it is, is the culture is so powerful down there that once a, once a kid gets to be 13, 14, they get bought by River or Boca or somebody big. And I mean, not that Belgrano is not big, but I mean, somebody with yeah. a lot of money, whether it's in the country or out of the country. And then in the in the teenage years, they go through an academy like in England. And they get forged into this machine, but they've had all of the years of of this culture, and 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 because you know I, I mentioned this in the video, um, the things that 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 I that most people think, or at least that people tell me as a coach, that that the better around the world is touch and technical skill, and I think my boys probably are higher level than most average Americans when it comes to like skills, but that really wasn't like like. Uh, my youngest son played uh, one day. He was playing two years up because whatever reason his he's a 2014. The 14s got canceled, so they just oh just let him play with the the 12s. And he he wasn't out of place. Like it wasn't like you know these kids were like uh, so technically greater. Where they were greater was they were so much more physical and they knew how to use their body to a degree that we don't. I don't even think we've touched the surface on. Um, that's number that one answer for you. And, for that cool uh, i i do it well the, the second thing was just tactically um they knew where to go they knew time and space better than than anyone of their age group those are the two the two biggest things on the pitch that i thought were different but yeah why, why are argentine players and i don't and i want to make sure that, that your listeners understand i'm not saying that they were dirty at all no 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 like, no, no, like no, no they no. just no there's a specific reason just, no, there's, no there's a reason it, for it from a, from a physical standpoint they were just so <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was it was fantastic. It was fantastic to watch. But yeah, no, I elaborate mean, on that. No, no, I mean, the, the, realistically, the main reason, and and that's the, um, that's that's one of the one of the reasons why. So the the word is called potrero, which is uh, basically street soccer, like just playing pickup on the streets. Like that's that's kind of the 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 easiest way to do it. And I feel like the closest thing you can find, I think, in the U.S. here is basketball. Yeah, I was basketball, about to say basketball has that because because it, it's it's the same concept. It's that concept of of you go and um you you go and you go and play and and you play in your local field, whatever your local field looks like. Your local field might be uh, a dirt patch. Your local field might be you know rocks. Your local field might be a parking lot. Your local field might be grass. Like it's whatever you have closest to you my local field growing up was my school and we would play um on the field that that had that didn't have goals it had a wall it had two walls and they had painted a, a rectangle on the wall that was a goal and we we didn't bring a ball because we weren't allowed to bring a ball to school so what we would do is either you're kicking 
you're, you're kicking soda bottle caps, uh, you're kicking cans, you're kicking whatever you can, or everyone brings socks and you're rolling up socks into a little ball. And then you now you got a, now you got a ball. But the reason why it becomes more physical is because you're playing with adults. Like you're 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 if you're the youngest kid, like you're you're going out and playing. Like we we uh, growing up in South Florida, we started a like a father son kind of like game on Saturdays. So we would go on Saturdays and 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 play. And you know throughout the years, you would have you know people that would move things like that. And I started when I was, I might've been, you know, 16, 17 years old and our youngest play, our youngest, like, you know, family groups, things were, you know, 10 years old and would go out and play and you just got to figure it out. Like, there's no one's like, no one's babying you at that point. Like if you, if you got the ball at your feet, like you either got to get stuck in or get out of the way. So you're, that's, that's part of it where it comes from. It's, you know, you mentioned your son, you know, the, the 14s weren't there. So he's got to go play with the 12s. Like. That's just, that's, that's, that's how it happens. That's what it is. Yeah. right? Like, and, and then, you know, you'll hear stories. Um, I forget who it was that I was watching an interview with recently that he said, uh, you know, he went out there when he was four years old and at four years old. Oh, actually it was Rodrigo de Paul um, who plays Atletico Madrid right now. His older brothers played and he was the youngest one and he was four years old. And they in Argentina, it's it's custom to play um, indoor and play five v five. And uh, mm-hmm. when you're younger, so so he would go out there and he was he was playing. He was two or three years younger than everybody else. And they're like, well, we can't put you on the field, so let's just put you as a goal in the goal. So he was a goalkeeper. <laughs> so for for yeah. you know, uh, growing up, he was a goalkeeper, and he was a four year old goalkeeper <laughs> playing against six and seven year olds because that's just what you do, and that's you survive. Yeah, you just have to survive or or you know, you figure out, you know, you figure out a way to to make it work. You know, you watch the videos of of Messi when he was at Newell's Old Boys and he was and he was younger and he was, you know, seven, eight years old. And granted, he also had a medical reason for why he was so short, but he was also extremely small playing against older kids because he wanted to. You know, and his grandmother would take him every every weekend to to go kick the ball and go go play there. And so you end up, I think that's part of the reason why. Um, I think it's also the reason why the culturally the technical components end up coming into it, but the the creativity um just it, it's it's one of those things that you know Argentinians I think Brazilians ultimately have the same the same thing, the flair of it. It it just happens because again, you gotta get creative and the technical ability ends up kind of shining through when you're playing in a really bad surface because you know you're not 10 years old playing on a turf field, uh, which which in the US happens quite a bit, where like sometimes, you know, there'll be there'll be players that all they've ever been on is a turf field. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the I think it's the cult we we talk about culture, right? We talk about basketball. You go to any park in America, what are you going to see? Basketball. Basketball court. Basketball court. Right? We're going to see people playing basketball. Sure. Like you said, Sebastian, Argentina, you could throw up rectangles. But I think just the culture in America, it's like, hey, take that down. Don't leave that up there. Don't let the, let the Mets get torn up. Like, it's just yeah. not, it's not ingrained in our culture. The second thing I'll say is you look at the success stories when you talk about a 25 million uh dollar teenager right so you think uh, 
take a European success story, you take an American success story. You look at LeBron James, you look at Luca, right? LeBron was 18, went professional. He's been dominating the league ever since for almost 20 years, right? But you look at Luca. Luca went professional when he was like 14 or 15, right? That was the culture in Europe at the time to go professional, yeah. 14 and 15, playing against grown men. So by the time he does come over to the NBA at 18, he's already played professional for four years. Same thing as soccer, right? This 25 million Argentina guy is going to go to Man City. He's going to be professional. He's already a professional, but he's by the time he turns, you know, 16, 17, starts getting minutes. He's already been in the program for two years. Yeah. For America, everything is college driven, college soccer, right? Unless you're like now we got MLS next, MLS next, and MLS next pro, right? But everything is college soccer driven. So we're really preparing these kids to be 18, go to college, go play for four years. And then it's like, then what? Right? Are you in that top percent that gets drafted in the super draft? Or are you even in that smaller percentage that can secure an overseas contract? Or um, a smaller percentage that of 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 players that get drafted that actually keep their contract past the first year because yeah. that percentage is shockingly low yeah absolutely well and i mean like philadelphia union right they have what three college soccer players that actually like play um and that's like the lowest yeah, in the league, low. right? yeah i think it's uh blake elliott and chris donovan right or bedoya and chris donovan right those are the bedoya four. yeah but Bedoya, yeah. Bedoya went to what Maryland, I think, or fairly Dickinson, Maryland, something. Yeah. Maryland, but but I that's the, it Mar- that, yeah. It might have been Maryland or fairly something like that. Um, but I think it, it for us in the American culture, it's just soccer. If if soccer is going to make a jump, we're going to have a twenty-five million dollar teenager get sold. The entire culture has to shift around soccer. Like we've got to accept the fact that it's. Go professional first. College soccer is your backup instead of the other way around where it's college soccer first. Professional is is second, right? Because I think that's the it's really. It's really the issue we're, we're facing where it's. Hey, well, no, I think the other the other issue is that you really before I say this, uh, Fairleigh Dickinson and Boston College for a hundred. Oh, um, trivia night. Um, but. <laughs> But I think the other part of it, though, is look at the ability that you have. I mean, and I think um, we are, you know, the Wrexham uh, series had kind of opened our eyes into what the fourth division of England is. And and when you get to the fourth division of England, you have the you still have, you know, you gotta you have to you get paid to play, but you have to potentially have another job or, or do something along those lines. Or you have to li- live extremely tight. Um, I mean, what? Where does that happen here? Like, you're either playing in the MLS, you have a contract in a USL team, and and after that, you're you're done. So, I mean, how, USL has what forty teams? Maybe is it, is it yeah, somewhere in there? Like somewhere along like and like that. So you but now you have MLS Next Pro too. That's so you really do have, I guess you do have four tiers, I guess, at this point. But but I feel like the options are a little bit more limited in comparison to, I mean, granted, our the size of this country is massive in comparison to the size of other countries. So from a population standpoint, but but when you look at it, you have you, you have the ability to play in England. 
Uh, you have the ability to, to go play in Scotland. Yep. Um, Ireland. <laughs> uh, then you have the ability, to, and that's that's just you know within that the part United of the kingdom. kingdom. That's just, yeah. And then you, what if you just cross over? And now you got France, Germany, and and all the uh, Sweden is massive, right? Like Norway, like all those countries. Like now it just opens up Spain, like all those things just open up for you. And I think that's the that's a part that I think gets lost here. Um, and because we're because we live in a society where it's 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 top it's one league right the spread right. every, every sport every sport in this country is based on one league one league yeah it's one I league. mean even in one league there's no there's no there's no ramifications for you losing outside of you getting the first round pick um and and that's it right so like so that way you have the ability to to say well, if I lose um, in two years, I can go win the Super Bowl or I can win an NBA title or I can win the Stanley Cup or I can win the World Series. And two years ago, you know, I, I barely had a winning record. Yeah, I mean, if you look at our landlocked neighbors, right, we the Canadian teams play in the MLS. So it's not even like there's where you say England and Scotland, right? And, and I know there's some Welsh teams. There's some teams over in the United Kingdom that do play in the Premier League, right? Yeah. But for for our purposes, it's like, man, like, you can't even say there is play. a Canadian soccer league. Yeah, but it's not relevant. I mean, no, you you would rather come to the United States and go to play college soccer and hope to make it that way. Right. No. Um, but I think that's if, if Canadian right, soccer was stronger, we would have an opportunity to have a sec. You know, that could be a, another choice. Yeah. I know that was La Liga. And right, and the issue too. Well, I mean, the issue too is that without having any real system of promotion relegation that you're talking about, the, the opportunities for players on these lower tiered teams, you know, I mean, how many, how many players from the USL are moving up to MLS, you know, on a yearly basis, how many players, you know, are, are going, you know, if, if you win the USL championship, I suppose you probably get some eyes on you if, if you're a player, but, you know, it's just not the same. The next year, you're still in the USL. Forward. Yeah, that's I mean, the only like, player, I, I, I can mean. think of one player. There's that 17-year-old kid that went from Louisville City or whatever and went overseas. But that's also because he's 17 years old. There's yeah, a tremendous amount of upside up there for him. Yeah. Right. Um, all right, Rory, we're, we're, I know we're, we're getting it close on time, so uh, I want to make sure we, we still have the ability to kind of finish out one final thought before we move on on the on the rest of the episode but um you mentioned briefly that you were you're doing some work with the philadelphia union what is what is that entailing so i work it's called their player pathway program yeah which PPP. is part of oh yeah you know ppp yeah so i, I oh, yeah. we've had ppp on the stuff. podcast we had we had dave pedicure oh, yeah. on the podcast yeah oh, yeah Nice. No, I, I coached their 20, one of their 2013 teams there. So uh, if you guys are familiar with that, it's, it's a supplemental program, but it's been a great uh, window for me as a coach to kind of see how, because we, we basically run the academy sessions um, or, or a form of the academy sessions um, at, at, that, at those training, training sessions. And then it, it it's just gives for me as, as a coach, I get to work with a level, level of talent that, you know, I just wouldn't have access to normally i mean it's it's essentially an all-star team you know it's awesome so 
Are they planning yeah. on this is the question? Are they planning on going to Disney again this year? So the way that it works, yeah, they go every year. The um, they have three tiers. So the top teams are they call gold. The second teams are navy, and the third teams are white. So each like I've coached the 2013 and the 2011 navy for three seasons, um, gotcha. and I actually I I I I actually had to drop the 11s just because I can only I can't have five teams. I got a, I got a wife and kids, and you know so. Um, but but it's been a cool experience to to be with the, the 13 Navy team and uh, and see a lot of those kids grow and move a lot of those kids to gold and and I think we've even had a couple that that have, that have broken through to the academy so that's been that's been really cool. Awesome, that's really cool. Um, and their uh, their academy teams getting ready to go to the, their like full academy teams getting ready to go to the tournament in Portugal. Okay, I was reading into yeah. that. Dude, that thing is uh, sick. Like when I was looking into like. First of all, you can't even see how much it costs or any of the registration is. It's like one of those things is you fill this out and we'll call you if we're interested. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not, yeah. You, you ain't getting their details. There's no God that. Soccer. It's not just a God Soccer. No, there ain't no God Soccer. It's basically, it's a information thing. It's like, yeah. you want to fill this out and we'll call you if we're yeah. interested. If you don't hear from us, don't call us. There's yeah. no phone number. No, that's great. Um, uh, really quick, uh, before we move on to the player of the match, I want to make sure uh, I briefly touch on the fact that uh, a something that I feel like everyone should li- should watch. Uh, Netflix uh, came out with a series called Captains of the World. Um, it's about the World Cup. Uh, I think it's a really cool. It's been so far the the most interesting kind of take that I've seen um, on a lot of the World Cup stuff. Uh, I I gotta hand it to FIFA. If if there's one thing FIFA knew how to knew how to do on the like did well on on this uh, last World Cup was selling every single possible right and uh, and camera angle. Money, they're money laundering. They're yeah, they are. They are. They cleaning sold, their money. They, right they, sold, they were able to sell everything to anybody that was buying. Uh, so Netflix uh, picked that up. Uh, so really really interesting uh, deep dive into Ronaldo. Um, Tiago Silva, uh, uh, there's a Senegal player in there. Messi is in there as well. Sergi Busquets is in there. So it's a, it's, a, it's a decent amount of players that are that are being um, kind of showcased on top of a really interesting way of the way they're filming and and kind of displaying it. Uh, so I I encourage everybody to to watch it. I'm I'm they got three episodes left, so I think next week we'll be able to kind of dive dive deeper and find out what happened in the World Cup and. You know, December eighteenth, two thousand twenty-two. Uh, spoiler alert, Dwayne. Argentina won. Yeah, we're looking. We're uh, you know, we're right here in twenty twenty-four. So I think we're looking forward. That's two years behind us. We're looking forward into until twenty twenty-six. Until twenty twenty-six, December eighteenth, twenty twenty-two is the most important day. All right. Well, Julian Alvarez is the best player to ever put on an Argentina jersey. No, first player to ever wear. First player to hold the. Champions League, World Cup, and Club World Cup at the same time. And he did it all within a, almost one calendar year. Hey, it's a fixture thing, right? You can't yeah. control the fixtures. He's, he's, what, he's what? He's he's twenty. He's twenty-one years old. How old is yeah. he? Twenty-one years old. Yeah. Like, hey, best yeah. best Argentina yeah. player ever. Yeah. Um, it's like Kingsley Coman, man. Never lost the league. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> Ain't no loser. There's a there's a staff for you, Rory. Kinsley Coleman has never lost a league. 
He's only Good played for what? Bayern, Juventus, and PSG. I think yeah. I think it was the three clubs he's played for. Yeah. Um, he, he's not stepping he up. He might lose it this year. He might lose it this year. Yeah, this year. I was about to say this year, and then he's definitely never stepping a toe in England because you just never know he's going to win in England. No. Um, yeah. uh, one other thing, a uh, little piece of trivia since, since Rory brought it up, Belgrano. Uh, either of you, two, two most recently famous players come out of Belgrano? Julian Alvarez. Nope. River Plate. <laughs> Unfortunately. Uh, one one's an MLS a, a recent recent MLS like one of the best players in the MLS recently. Is he American or is he Argentinian? He actually technically, I think he actually counts as winning the uh, MLS Cup. The guy or uh, is is he the guy that came over like in like August or whatever? No, that's Diego Rossi. Never mind. No, not Argentinian. No, wrong guy. No, Lucas Ilarayan. Remember him from Columbus? I think we were probably doing him. I didn't know. Uh, <laughs> actually, we weren't even at that game. We weren't at that game. It was cold. Yeah, we, yeah, we weren't there. Yeah, we were, uh, we and then uh and then the other player, uh Cuti Romero, Christian Romero from uh yeah, plays, Romero Tottenham. From... plays at Tottenham, uh starting, oh, starting say Gustavo. Starting starting center back for uh for the Argentinian national team. I thought you were gonna say Gustavo. Gustavo. Gustavo Bo. Oh no. New England. <laughs> no, no, no. Not Gustavo. All right. Uh player of the match. So Rory, uh pl- normally in the player of the match, we give out an award to anybody that we feel like over the last week uh has done something um that was pretty outstanding in general and 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 pretty cool. Could be a player, could be a coach, could be, could be really anybody uh that has stood out um in their field at the time uh so i'm gonna give i'm gonna give mine out uh to grace barnett uh grace is a player on my on my high school team uh who is currently injured and she's coaching our indoor indoor league team uh so because yeah, aren't you aren't they playing like right now nice no one of one of our teams is playing right now the other team plays at 9 30 i'm gonna go to that game um yeah, I got, you got that video you got that video you can watch it live yeah my i might can i can probably log in uh, but, but anyway, so, uh, yeah, so Grace is, Grace is coaching our indoor team because I historically do not coach the indoor league teams. I'll go and watch it, uh, every once in a while, but I don't, I don't go and I don't coach it. Um, so Grace is coaching it and she got the, the first win. Uh, you're getting dubbed. You better watch out for your job. <laughs> that's, I'm okay with it. Uh, player, first player coach in Odessa history. Listen, she, she beat St. Mark's when I couldn't. So, um, so there you go. So that's you my back and let your players take a take a bigger. Yeah, I'm I'm good with it. I'm all in. Uh, Dwayne, let me get mine to Bet Rivers Casino. Took my twenty dollars. <laughs> bet on AC Milan and West Ham. AC Milan and West Ham. AC Milan won. West Ham and Brighton. That was a good game, and um, nobody could. West Ham just couldn't put the ball in the rectangle thing. And there you go. Lost my bet. Lost my twenty dollars. <laughs> See, I told you not to do that. Um, you didn't tell me to put. I probably would have won more money if I tied. Yeah, uh, Rory, would you would you happen to have a player of the match? Oh yeah, this is easy for me. So I follow Leeds United. I've been following them ever since the documentary on yeah. uh, Amazon. Let's uh, go. I, I love Bielsa, but oh, anyway, yes. I, you know, yes, Rory, 
but but you, but you know it's funny I, I had i have i'm wearing a leeds jersey right now nice um but uh <laughs> i would I, I would wear these like a year and a half ago and uh adams and all the americans were there in marsh and like people th- thought i was just picking this team up because the americans i hated it so now they're all gone so i'm happy they about but anyway <laughs> but anyway pat uh my, my buddy Pat Bamford scored uh, against Birmingham City this week, and he hadn't scored in like, I think over a year. Um, and he, he's been injured, and uh, just a really, really good dude. Um, but uh, fired. they beat Birmingham. Yeah, exactly. That's where <laughs> I was going with it. He got, he got, he, he got Wayne Rooney fired, which I'm not unhappy about either. So, uh, yeah, Pat Bamford uh, for our Leeds United. Nice. I can I tell you, it. look, this man, I've seen, I saw Wayne Rooney coach probably like three times last year. I don't think I ever saw the guy get out of his seat. I don't think I ever saw him move. He just had that hat on. He had that same hat on and that black dress. He just sat nice. there like this, like mad. Um, all right. It's probably on, how he coaches it. He probably coaches his training sessions on a golf cart. Like on this day in in soccer history, uh, January fifth, nineteen sixty six. Um. So, uh, Dwayne, who's the who's the most famous Polish player, you know, Lewandowski. Yeah, Big Bobby he wasn't around. <laughs> no, I know he wasn't, Big Bobby. But uh, <laughs> I still crack up every time I call him Big Bobby. Yeah, I don't know. I, that has got to be the most American thing to do. To that guy. <laughs> Listen, it's it's what they call them on the Spanish ESPN broadcast. Who was it, Alejandro? Uh, I forget. Oh, what was I, I forget who it was, but. All right. So, anyway, so uh, Poland played England for the very first time in the international at the international level in 1966. Um, and the reason why I brought up Big Bobby is because Bobby Moore scored the goal for England. Uh, you know, he only scored twice in 108, 108 appearances for England, but it was also started the uh, the 1966 calendar year for England's national team, which they would go and win the World Cup. Won yep. the World Cup. They won the World Cup that two goals and 108 appearances. Two goals and 108 appearances. That's right. I'm um, not a goal scorer. I think I could have a better. I think I can at least get like five or ten. <laughs> in 108? In 108, at you're least scoring, five. You're or scoring ten. one every 10 games. Yeah, I would hope I could. Yeah. I mean something. I don't know. I've seen you break away or something. I've seen you try to score, man. I don't. You're a really yeah. good outside back. <laughs> but hey, on a good day, out of those ten, out of those ten games, there's gonna be one to really good day ball, where right? I can strike Just... a ball. And I'm getting buckets. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shooting. <laughs> uh, so uh, in that, on that, on that, uh, on that day, uh, manager Al Franzi uh, fielded eight of the players who would who would go on to win the World Cup uh, in July. So. July 5th, or sorry, January 5th, 1966, uh, kind of kicked off a, a pretty good year for, for England. Um, so, all right. So uh, moving on to the Dan Simmons Fair Play of the Week Award. Uh, so Rory, as I mentioned to you before off, off mic, uh, Dan Simmons is one of our favorite people in the world. Uh, not only because he's a really good soccer coach and might be the best, one of the best, uh, like, younger kid soccer coach uh he's fantastic at coaching like six and seven year olds uh he probably has a 2014 team he probably wants to smoke and and uh and also <laughs> fantastic at coaching like three-year-olds 
Uh, and yeah. it's just a really, just in general, a really good person. Uh, so we've, we've named the uh, Fair Play of the Week award after him. Uh, so my Fair Play of the Week award goes out to Netflix uh, because I feel like they've produced so far the best documentary I've seen all year uh, with uh, having to do with soccer. I, I saw someone on Facebook the other day upset because I think Netflix upped their prices again. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it from a corporate <laughs> perspective. I'm just saying from a production value. From a production You're value, I'm, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of the of their documentary. Cool. So I can't I can't stress enough how how good it's been so far, even though I don't particularly always like reading subtitles. I'm OK with reading the subtitles here. So, uh, Dwayne. Give mine out to uh, the crew from last week. We ran a free clinic. So it was uh, Kyle Wheatley, James Toe, uh, Carlos. I don't know Carlos's last name. It's just Carlos. Um, and then the Dover High players that were out there. I'm probably missing somebody in that uh, group. But in the Dover High players that were there, we put on a free clinic on December 30th. Had about um, 30, 30 kids come out. For a free clinic for two hours at Dover High School. We invited all the kids from our district in grades one through six. So we had 30 kids come out um, and they seemed to enjoy it. We had, um, introduced them to some futsal, some speed and agility, you know, just, you know, basic free clinic stuff, you know, just introduction to the game and then played. And it was a great time. So, um, stuff. yeah, shout out to those guys for, you know, helping put that on. Well done. Uh, Rory. So this is uh, an award that we give just like good sportsmanship or good citizenship or is that yeah, anything and, uh, you can give it to, you can give it to yourself like, and say, made, Hey, made I played the game better last week. And anything, anything that goals. made anything that made that made the game. Better. No, I, I was just, okay, perfect. No, uh, so we had indoor training sessions uh, this week and the heat wasn't working in the dome. So uh, all my teams, uh, they, they had to, they had to really wrap up tight. So I, uh, I would say I'd give it to, to them and then they showed up every 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 session so there you nobody go. missed they, perfect they must yeah. have that dog in them that's right <laughs> although I, I mean in fairness it hasn't been it, it hasn't been super cold until today so but either way that should have been actually that should have been my uh my player of the match my, my dogs it should have been should have been to the, your three your three players that that responded that answered the question correctly yeah you got that said, dog in them they, they, said, heard, they heard that before they said they had that dog in them uh, all right. Well, Rory, I, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, I'm hoping this is the first of many times that you, you come on, uh, the doors, the doors yeah, I'd love to. for, for you to, to come on, um, make sure you make sure you go watch, uh, you, uh, Rory's videos on YouTube, go and subscribe to his channel. Uh, it's coach Rory soccer on YouTube. Um, so make sure you make sure you hit that subscribe button. Uh, has a video that that came out 32 minutes ago. Uh, on playing a four, that? four two four two three one formation. I don't know how he did that, but he's <laughs> he's got good. Rory Rory's a really good multitasker. Hey, <laughs> okay, no, I didn't. That would have been like around three o'clock today. So I don't know why it says 32 minutes. Maybe that's um, YouTube. You might want to uh, hit that refresh button. I did. I did. Yeah. I did. Yeah. 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 It's probably got a thousand. It's probably it's probably in the four digit views already. Cool. He's got he's got views on it he's got views on it already. So people people subscribe. <laughs> Make sure you go subscribe uh to to Rory's uh channel. Uh but Rory, thanks thanks so much for coming on. We we really appreciate it. Hey thanks guys. Had a good time. Appreciate it. All right. Well thanks for joining us this week and remember always receive the ball on your front foot.